0: Welcome to the Run for God Run Club, where you will find God in a runner's space.
1: Welcome to the Run for God Run Club. This is your one stop each week to be motivated and inspired to get off the couch and onto the running trail where you can, in turn, inspire others to do the same. Let's learn, laugh, and leap into running together, giving God the glory for what we are able to do in His name. Amen. I am your running host, Dean Thompson. Let me reintroduce the brains behind Run for God, founder Mitchell Hollis.
2: You're just making things up now, Dean. Well, I got to do
1: something, you know. (laughs) Uh, I like to think I'm creative, so uh, that's, yeah.
2: So we're we're what a week and a half away from christmas do you have all your shopping done it's
1: getting close i haven't done any shopping at this yeah. point so well,
2: i only have to buy one thing
1: it's just one hers hers and she does because the rest, she does the rest. Right. man yeah. you're, you're makes spoiled. it nice of course we do a lot of that too debbie does a lot of the a lot of the shopping for family members and yeah i just have a few
2: see holly stopped going shopping with me years ago because i can go to one store you can give me any store and I'll buy everybody's gift in that one store.
1: Yeah,
2: <laughs> and she doesn't like that.
1: Right, right. It was just exactly.
2: And neither why. does the people getting the whatever they're getting from the same store. I'm right there with you. Yeah, I'm right there. I'm with very you. efficient.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: But I don't guess Christmas
1: gifts are supposed to be
2: efficient. <laughs> At least that's what they say.
1: So we're on episode 38 now. 38. 38 episodes. So we're we're coming in zeroing in on a year and another quarter from now. Yeah, uh, of doing this podcast, and it's it's been pretty exciting and pretty it, fun. It has, and
2: I'm really excited. Just, I'm going to give everybody a preview of next week. Be sure you tune into next week because it's it's very special and it's very different than any podcast we've ever done. So make sure it's it's a Christmas story, and uh, somebody very famous wrote it, and uh, it's it's incredible, and so everybody needs to tune in next week to hear
1: this Christmas story. Hey, have you ever run a trail race? You know, it's easy to get lost. You ever been focused? Uh, excuse me, you have to be focused on that trail to, to, to stay on the trail because when you run in a trail race, sometimes that trail is not so easily marked and sometimes it's easy to get off the trail. And maybe you've never run a trail race or any race for that matter. Maybe you're brand new. Maybe you are the person who's never run a race. Well, let me assure you, there are things you need to pay attention to in races trail races and in life, and we're going to Mm -hmm. talk about that. Um, How about this? Have you ever been been to a race and run the entire race and then got through and basically been told that you didn't run that race? (laughs) It happened to me, and I'm going to share that story with you. (laughs) Hey, let's talk about last week's trivia question. This one is so interesting. Last week, we asked this question. There was a woman who was named winner of the 1980 Boston Marathon. But her victory was disallowed later. And the question is, why? What were the circumstances of her victory that made the officials take it away from her? And so, did you know the answer to this one? I didn't. Rosie Ruiz. Uh, it's, there are still jokes out there about Rosie Ruiz uh, in the running community. Rosie Ruiz won the 1980 Boston Marathon, and then eight later she was disqualified. Eight days later, she was disqualified. It turns out that it seems what she did was she jumped into the race about a half mile from the finish line and uh, and finished the race as if she had just won the race.
2: See, I, yeah, I read that. I don't...
1: 1980.
2: How, did, how, did, how was it eight days later before they realized it? I mean, the person who's in first place, they know that they're in first place. I mean, your story even talks about that. You knew yeah. where you were, and if somebody come up in front of you, then I, I don't get how it took eight days to figure this out. I get it if it's, you know, she had a a Boston qualifier time, but she was back in the pack. I get that. But I don't see how you win a race. Well, Illegitimately.
1: Things. You have to remember that back then they didn't have electronic timing. They didn't have cameras along the course. video. They had some cameras which they were able to use. But still you but had first, second,
2: and third place out there.
1: You did. Who <laughs> would
2: call it, you you think, would call you on the carpet.
1: But you know how runners are. Runners are are fairly nice people. And it's like, well, God, maybe she passed me. I didn't see her. You know, I think that was the the feeling of the ladies who ran the race. And they were very, very nice about it, actually. I remember back in that time. They were really nice about it. Um, But So you remember that happening. What was interesting about this race, too, was that, She got into this race based on her New York City marathon time just six weeks before this. Mm -hmm. And now it turns out in hindsight, they wound up disqualifying disqualifying her from that race as well because they realized that somebody said they had ridden on the subway with her during the race. So she had a habit of doing this. Um, And here's the crazy thing is she told the people in Boston – that she wanted to get into Boston because it was too late to apply to get into Boston. She wanted to get into Boston because she had this really good time. Her qualifying time was 2.56, which at that time was really, really fast for a woman. And uh, so she gets this special exemption because she tells the race officials that she's dying from brain cancer and she wants to run <laughs> run this race. I mean, if you're going to cheat, do it in grand style, right? Don't, don't just go halfway. Um, and then it turns out <laughs> She runs in the in the Boston Marathon. She runs two thirty one, cutting twenty five minutes off of supposedly her best time ever, and uh, runs the third fastest time in women's history at the time. Um, I'm just looking online to see is she still alive. Uh, she died
2: a f- just a few years ago. Okay, because yep. some poor lady has the name Rosie Ruiz <laughs> on Facebook, and but all I'm seeing are jokes. <laughs> about some of the people that we know are <laughs> like a modern-day
1: Rosie Ruiz. So, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, I'd never heard of her till this. Very, very famous, very famous. And here's the interesting thing, too, about when you look at the photos of her in this race and after the race, it's really obvious to a real runner that she was not a real runner. I mean, she wasn't dressed like a real runner. She didn't have on the the clothing. that She, she didn't have on a singlet. She had on a T-shirt. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, you know, an elite runner is going to have on a, some some tank top, which right. usually with some logo on it or something like that. Um, she clearly wasn't as toned as an elite runner either. Right. I mean, she, was, she wasn't she was really big, but she she didn't have that definition in her right. leg muscles that you normally would see. Um, and then she was barely sweating. So she runs a marathon. She gets through. And she is sweating, but it wasn't much. And so uh, it was pretty obvious. And then Bill Rogers, who was the men's winner, who Bill Rogers won – think four or five boston marathons Um, very faint they call him boston billy for a reason Um, and she's she she said it was really odd to him that she didn't understand terms like intervals and splits (laughs) so that's how much knowledge she had about running at the time it's Uh, crazy Yeah, of course, cheating was a lot easier back then. You know, now that you got at at the Boston Marathon, you can go on and you can see what your time is at every 5K because there's a mat every 5K, so it's harder to cheat. Although there was a guy at one time who figured out a way he would ride the subway, he would get off the subway, go to that mat and run his chip across the mat and then get back on the subway and go to the next one. I mean, it 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 took some real planning to do this, but there's a guy who apparently did that at one time Um, It's just crazy what people will do. Um, But here's my favorite. This is my favorite of all time. There is a guy named um, Kip Litton. And Kip Litton, if you haven't heard that name before, and if you have heard that name before, you're laughing right now because you know about the name Kip Litton. Kip Litton was a dentist from Michigan. And he did a whole different thing. He didn't even run the race to cheat on his race. He made up an entirely race, just out of whole cloth, called the West Wyoming Marathon. Nobody in the running community in Wyoming had ever heard of it. There there was a website for it. He cre- created a website which has results and everything. It had 29 finishers, um, and there's a guy named Rich Rodriguez who was the race director per, for this particular race. Um, and there was an email address for Rich, so people could email Rich Rodriguez (laughs) to ask about the race and they would get a response and say, yeah, yeah, my, this, this Kip Litton, he's the guy who won that race. (laughs) Golly.
2: I mean, you know, I start thinking about, you know, my backgrounds in building and, and several years back when copper was so high, we had a problem with people coming into houses that, that weren't finished yet and they would cut all the copper wiring out of the house, which took hours and then they would go home and they would burn it to get all the insulation off of it. So it, it got it down to the, to the bare copper. And then they would take it and they would recycle it. And they would get maybe $100 for $1,500 worth of copper. But what made me scratch my head back then was they worked hard. Yeah. I mean, they worked for hours and hours. And they could have went and got a job, a real job. And worked less time and made more money. Yeah. But it's like something is in people's blood that says, I want to do this the illegal way or the hard way or the dishonest way. And it just, I mean, some of these, I mean, Kip, he spent a lot of time doing this. (laughs) He spent a lot of time.
1: Yeah, apparently this Rich Rodriguez guy was a friend of his and, and had a company that designed websites for other people. So Rich Rodriguez was actually the one behind the website. Oh,
2: so Rich Rodriguez was a real person. Was a real person. Oh, I thought that was also Kip.
1: No, he, oh, was, okay. a, he was He was a real person. Yeah, I thought that was at first, too, and then I and reading into it further. It was a little So bit how do you
2: start that. that conversation with your friend Rich? <laughs> hey, I'm going to make up this story that I ran this marathon. That I really didn't run.
1: That... Well, what makes me wonder if Rich was the one that came up with it. You know, if Rich was the guy who yeah, said, maybe. hey, well, let's try this. This would be fun. Let's see if we can get away with it. Uh, I don't know. Uh, here's another funny thing about this story is that if you go to MarathonGuide.com, I don't know if you've ever been there, but if you, almost every marathon run in the United States. Yeah, I think
2: is, I've been on there, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's on MarathonGuide.com, and you can go to any year, and you can get the results, and it tells about the marathon. It's got re, It's actually got reviews, right? Mm-hmm. So go to Marathon.com. Uh, marathonguide.com, rather, and look up West Wyoming Marathon. It's in there. And it's got reviews. <laughs> and it's got reviews, and they're fantastic. You got to go through, you got to go check that out. Uh, yeah. Wow. So, yeah, I don't know why somebody would want to cheat on a marathon. Uh, it's just a strange thing to me. And is it the lure of fame? Well, you know, in Rosie Ruiz's case, at least you see, okay, she's trying to win the Boston Marathon. That's a big deal. In Kip Litton's case, he's running sub-three-hour marathons. It's not that crazy. It's not that great. It's not really a super big accomplishment. Why would you do that? And the guy's a dentist. But you eventually have to,
2: I mean, if he's doing it for the fame of being a runner it tells me that he wants to be known as a fast runner. But eventually you've got to run against people that know you as that fast runner. Yeah. And so
1: it's crazy. It's crazy. Maybe it was a bet. Maybe he said, I'm going to try watch this. I'm going to get away with this. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, You know, I remember when I was at Shaw industries and working in a particular department, there were a number of systems, built computer systems mm-hmm. built around that, that department. And the department was odd. It was different than anywhere else in the company. And so all the systems were built for carpet roll manufacturing and yarn manufacturing and things that are normally specific to carpet manufacturing. Well, our process was completely different. But we had to use those same systems. So we learned how to work around the limitations of those systems. Um, and we, and our, our phrase was, the system hasn't been built that we can't find a way around. Right. Um, and I think some people just like to see if they can get around things. And I think that's why a lot of times hackers do things. You know, a lot of times hackers yeah. aren't doing it for malicious reasons. They're doing it just to say, I did it. I did it, yeah. yeah.
2: I had a, I had a friend in high school. Wasn't, well, he was an acquaintance. But he was my age, and we were both in high school. And he hacked into a local bank in our town and got in all kinds of trouble. I mean, the GBI came and everything, and he was like, <laughs> that's awesome." I wasn't trying to steal money. I was just seeing if I could do it. and and it's the same thing. He didn't steal anything, but his digital footprint was in there and man, they they showed up at his doorstep.
1: I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> but
2: he was just trying to be funny and So yeah, I, I guess I I guess I get it. No, well, not really,
1: but <laughs> Well, just so, hey, listen, if you're out there and you are are relatively new to running and you don't know that much about running, don't don't get the impression that runners are a bunch of um folks who are cheaters and and people who are are dishonest people because they're not. By and large, runners are very honest people. But there are a lot of things about running that people don't know about, and this is kind of one of them. This this hidden dark secret, and it makes it, it makes running more interesting than people think it is from the outside. So,
2: if you ever hear of Mitchell Hollis running a sub three hour marathon, I'll go ahead and tell you right now, <laughs> I didn't do that.
1: <laughs> uh, well. Uh, who knows? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Um, hey, are you uh, excited about J-Radio? Because if you aren't, you should be. J-Radio has been a sponsor of this podcast. It, this is our 38th. Well, it's not actually our 38th. It's more than that. Yeah. It's like our 40th podcast. And J Radio has been here from the very beginning.
2: And you know what I got done no. today before we came here because I knew I was going to have to answer to this crowd. Don't tell me. Because last time we were here, I said if I have to, if I put it on my strikeout list. Look, let's see here. Playlist for J Radio, and what's and what, it's what's what's it's out. crossed out. I struck it out this morning. I created my playlist, and it's the best playlist on
1: J Radio. I'm sure it is.
2: Now. I love all kinds of music. I grew up listening to gospel, southern gospel, the inspirations, Gold City, Ray Stevens. You probably don't know who Ray, Stevens, I know who Ray is, Stevens is. And uh but I love contemporary Christian. I love praise and worship. I love choir music. I'm one of those weirdos that I still love choir music. The Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. Mm-hmm. Um songs like Thou O Lord, you know, just they're great running songs. I mean, you can really get a a spiritual high listening to some of these choir songs, especially when it's somebody like Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir singing it. Yeah. So my playlist runs the gamut. It has a little bit of everything in it. So you've probably already listened to Dean's. You've probably already listened to Holly's and Lane's, but you haven't listened to a playlist like mine. So uh, I don't know if it'll be up by the time this airs. Jared said he was going to get that up pretty quick. But, uh, yeah, go check out J Radio and and go to the all-new Run for God channel. Amen. Social media? Nope. Grocery store tabloids?
0: Nope. The newspaper? Not usually. The national news? Is there any media source these days that only shares a positive message? A lot of the media we take in each day can be pretty negative. Why not make the decision right now that your music will only be positive? Sign up for an account at jradio.com today and download the app in your app store. With music for every moment and entirely positive Christian message, it'll be nice to hear things going right for a change.
1: Hey, don't forget that you can send your questions to dean at runforgod.com. You know, whatever that question is. And I've gotten some pretty good correspondence lately. We've got some new, we've got a bunch of new folks, a bunch bunch of new new folks. Yeah. And so some of them have been sending me emails and um, it's great to hear from you. Sometimes I'm able to respond to those emails like within seconds, and then sometimes I'm able to respond to those emails within days. So it just depends on what's going on at the time. But um, send those messages and uh, let us know how we're doing. If we can do something better, if you've got an idea, let us know. Mm -hmm. We're not too proud to copy anybody. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And if you don't know about Run for God and you just found this podcast by happenstance, then go to runforgod.com or runforgodrunclub.com and learn more about what we're about and what we're doing. Uh, And don't forget, we would love to hear your story. We're going to discuss a story here from somebody who we've already discussed some stories from her before. Mm -hmm. Um, Very, very faithful, run-for-God person. And um, you have a story. We want to hear your story. We need you to submit that story because uh, we want to hear it because somebody out there needs to hear it. Uh, Before we get to that story, though, um, couch to Marathon, it's coming up. It's going crazy. It's, I'm
2: loving the comments I'm seeing on the Facebook group of I accidentally hit the sign up button for the Couch to Marathon and just all the excitement. You know, Run Club grew 144% in the month of November. Wow. It's insane. And it's it's because I think we've struck a nerve. We've We have found that thing. Every runner wants to do. Every person who's ever dreamed of running wants to do. They want to run a marathon. Now, let me talk to the haters out there. We've had some comments Mm -hmm. um, harshly critiquing what we're doing. Um, This is not a couch to marathon in 12 weeks. This is a couch to marathon in over a year. Mm -hmm. This is the most ambitious, biggest thing we've ever done, but we're doing it safely. And let me, let me explain how we're doing it safely. All we're doing is we're simply stringing together the challenges that we've always had but have always been done separately. We're simply stringing those together. Our challenges, the 5K, the 10K, the half marathon, and now the marathon, have always been designed to um, be like building blocks. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're doing. We're going to do the 5K challenge starting in January. It's the couch to marathon, but we're starting with the 5K challenge. We're getting people who are runners, who are coming back to running, or who have never run to their first 5K. Over 200,000 people have started at this starting point. Yeah. It works. Yeah. If you listen to what we're saying and you don't have any you know strange pre-existing things that you need to get checked out, you're going to be able to run a 5K in 12 weeks. And we're going to take a week off. And then we're going to go into the 10K challenge, which starts at the 5K, and you're going to go 5K to 10K in another 12 weeks, and you're going to run a race, and then you're going to take a week off, and then you're going to go 10K to half marathon, take a week off, half marathon to marathon, and the race we're ultimately graduating at is the Disney Marathon. Now, we are not affiliated with Disney. We've had those comments as well. Uh, Uh, This is not affiliated with Disney. We have no affiliation with Disney. But it's an awesome race to graduate at. Um, We don't have any political stance on Disney. It's just a great race for us all to meet at. It's warm. It's January, and it's Orlando, Florida, which is perfect weather Mm. that time of year. So we can all, I mean, Disney does do one thing great. They put on events. They They do do a good job at events. And so that's where we're going to graduate. Do you have to graduate at Disney? No. You can find a marathon anywhere you want in the month of January, 2023, to graduate at. Um, all Run Club members get to do this for free if you want to. Run Club is $0.27 cents a day. Mm. Or you can sign up for $9.97 a month. And everything in this is free to our Run Club members. Like I said, it grew 144% in the month of November. And that just blows my mind. But I, I get it. This is, this is the one of the few training plans out there where you have everything you need to be successful in a marathon. People think, well, all I need's a training plan. No, that's that's not true. It, yeah. The the training plan is the easy part. Yeah, it's the accountability, the motivation, the inspiration. I mean, you spend five minutes on the Run for God Run Club Facebook group, which you have to be a member to get into. You're inspired. Yeah, I absolutely. mean. From 20-year-olds to 80-year-olds mm-hmm. are all on there. From 15-minute milers to 6-minute milers. Exactly. Yep. I mean, there's there's some guys on there faster than you, aren't there? Yeah, yep. I think one, maybe. At least
1: as fast. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And uh, so y'all may be duking it out down there. Might be. That'd be fun to watch. That would be, yeah. Um, <laughs> But it's just, it's incredible. We're excited about it. And we want you to go to runforgod.com forward slash marathon to learn more because if, if you're sitting there saying, I can't do that, then you're exactly who we want yeah. in this program because we want to prove you wrong.
1: Yeah, and I, I've had several questions. I've seen some online, and then some have sent me uh, questions directly. If you're looking for the training plan, if you're part of Run Club now and you're looking for the training plan, you can go to the Run for God store, be logged in as a Run Club member, and you can find those training plans. They're out there. You can see them. A sure. lot of people like to see them way ahead of time, and I get that. Yeah. Um, they're out there. So if you want to see them, you go in there. And it's just like buying it, but it's free, right? Right. So it's just a download. Yeah. So go out there and check that out if you want to uh, to know ahead of time what and, we're going to be doing.
2: And so the format, let's talk about the format just real quick so everybody knows. Um, starting January 17th, we're going to go live every Sunday night um, on... I think we're doing it on YouTube. YouTube. And so we're going to have the class time. And we're going to do the class. It's going to be an hour to an hour and 15 minutes or something like that. Uh, And that's where we do the actual challenge, the Bible study. We talk about everything. We're going to be taking your questions. Uh, It's just going to be a great time for everybody involved to come together. And then you're going to have three to five workouts, depending on where we're at, starting in the 5K You're going to have three workouts a week, and by the time we get to marathon, I think we cap out at five workouts a week. Um, But this is the time you go do your own runs. You can do them as a group. I would encourage everybody to at least get one person to do this with you. Absolutely. Um, We're going to offer an incredible amount of motivation, inspiration, but nothing beats a warm body waiting on you at the corner to start your run. Nothing will get you off the couch more than somebody waiting on you. It's the accountability. Um, If you're an instructor out there, get your community involved. We're going to do this here. We really haven't started pushing it in our community yet, but we're going to have a group in our community, and we may meet on Monday evenings for a run, and we'll talk about Sunday nights in our own little group. We'll talk about the lesson Sunday night and then go for our run. So we're really making it easy for those instructors out there we just need your help to facilitate this in your community and mainly just do group runs. Um, and we'll take care of all the teaching and the kind of the heavy lifting. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about it. I'm, I'm blown away at the response to it. And I can't wait to get started.
1: Yeah, it's really, really exciting. Our story this week comes to us, again, from Wapapello, Missouri. you got to love saying that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how? how but
2: you, there's only one name that. Comes to mind when you say that name.
1: That's exactly right. And it's who is it? Linda Noll. Linda Knoll. absolutely, Linda. Um, and and if you're part of the Run Club community already, you know Linda's mm-hmm. name because you've not only have you heard her stories on this podcast, but you have also seen her posts. She loves to run in nature, and she takes a lot of nature pictures and posts them. And and she's uh, one
2: of those crazy trail runners.
1: She is. She loves the trails, which is uh, opposite of Dean. <laughs> Uh, so the title of her devotion is No Getting Lost When God is Our Compass. The blue and white ribbons tied to trees, bushes, and logs were a welcome sight to the runners in last Sunday's Quivering Quads Trail Run. The ribbons served as trail signs to prevent anyone from getting off course and lost in the woods. If runners felt they had missed the marking somehow and had accidentally gone down the wrong path, they were instructed to stop, turn around, and retrace their steps back to the blue striped ribbon and then start again. As I took off in the last wave, I knew that I'd better pay careful attention to these markings as there were probably going to be stretches of trail where I would be all alone. I knew I could not rely on following the person in front of me if that person was out of my sight. In life, we also need some sort of visible signage to keep us going in the right direction so that We don't go down the wrong path and end up lost. Just as I wanted to stay on course in my trail run, I want to stay on course with God and not lose my way. God has provided the best map there is, His holy word, the Bible. If we follow His map, His way, then we never get lost. As Psalm 119 verse 105 says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. The good news is that when we fail to follow his map as directed and realize our mistake, then we can turn around and retrace our steps back to him where he will be waiting with arms open wide for our return just like the prodigal son from Luke 15. We can claim, once I was lost, but now I am found. Praise to such a loving and gracious God we have. Yeah, direction's important in race, and it's important in life.
2: Yeah, you know, I, I love this story because I talk about this concept a lot. We talk mm-hmm. about it in our meetings a lot, you know. I, for whatever reason, God has never given us, me, at Run for God, this um, long-term Vision. I, I always talk about my walk with Christ as a path, and if you look down that path, God will light up the streetlights. If we're paying attention, God will God will be that light into our path. But for me, He doesn't light them out a mile down the the sidewalk. Many times for me, it's one light because He knows
1: you'll skip ahead.
2: Exactly, or it'll scare me off. You know, I've I've said many times that if if in in the fall of 2009, God would have said, Mitchell, I want you to, uh, I want you to get 12 T-shirts made with a funny looking stick guy on them, which is the first thing He told me, and I did. But if He would have told me at that same time, oh, and by the way, I want you to teach this class, another streetlight. I want you to um, talk in front of groups, another streetlight. I want you to quit your job, and I want you to—I don't want your wife to quit her job, two more streetlights, and I want you to create a ministry, and I want you to go find people to come alongside you in this journey, more streetlights. If he would have shown me all those streetlights in the fall of 2009, (laughs) it would have scared me off. And so, you know, I'm convinced that that's what God's Word is talking about, that— he he'll never give us more than we can handle. And and I know that's a little bit out of context, but it's true. God knows how much God knows how many streetlights we can deal with. Yeah. And for me it's not it's not too many, because you're right, I'll skip ahead or to scare me off. And yeah. but but too many times we still skip ahead. And and we're like we're like Linda talks about. It. She you run up ahead and you stop. You, you don't see the streetlights anymore. You don't see the ribbons. You don't see the flags on the trail. I've run trail races before. Where I've I've been in that situation. You're like, am I going the right way? Mm-hmm. And, and and so many times I do. I'll I'll outrun God's streetlights, which kind of sounds ridiculous, but I think we all do it. Oh, absolutely. And we get out there and it's dark, mm-hmm. and we're looking around and we're like, okay, God, where where are you at? And many times. God's still working back at the last streetlight. Mm-hmm. And all we got to do is turn around and go back to Him. And uh, so, yeah, that's why I loved this story. It's because it's something that we talk about all the time.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, this is so, so true the way she puts this analogy with running and running courses. And it's not just on trails, mm-hmm. it's everywhere. I know one of the things that we understand because we put on races is how important volunteers know what their job is. Critically important. And, and I remember a race one time where I was running, and there was a group of us kind of running up near the front of this race. And there was a girl standing at, in, in, in a, at a street corner. Well, what they told her was stand at this street corner. And she apparently didn't know what she was doing. And so while she was standing there at the street corner, the guy who was leading the race pointed like, do we go this way? She just kind of shook her head, and we went that way. Well, it wasn't the right way. We yeah. wound up running into traffic, and we finally we got to an actual a stoplight where we were like okay we we just we realized that we're we're lost, yeah, and we had to go back to where we were and pick the course back up where where it was um but it's it's so important to know where you're going,
2: yeah, and how many times have we you know we've always told our the the athletes at these races, our our athletes who coach, don't rely on volunteers. Mm-hmm. You need to know where you're going. We we always tell them, don't come up to us after the race and say a volunteer pointed me the wrong way. It's your fault. Mm-hmm. You need to know where you're going. And man, that is so convicting when you say that out loud because we're in a world full of people pointing us in the wrong direction. Yep. But we have to know the way yep. it's it's not up to them, because if it's if it's up to the media or social media or whoever it is, their goal is to point us the wrong way. Yeah. And many times it's ignorance. It's, they don't know. It's like that volunteer. I, I don't know. So you can't blame the volunteer. We can't we can't blame society for our misdirection. And I think that's Linda's point here is we have to know the way and
1: we have the map. Exactly. And that, that's the point: is we have the map, and unfortunately, there are a lot of churches, even these days, that are are headed in a, mm-hmm. a compromised direction. I'll right. say, you know, where they're reading things into a very clear map right. that aren't there. Sure, um, that happens, um, and and again, that's leading people the wrong way. Our first scripture passage, which she mentions, uh, Psalm one nineteen one o five: Your word is a lamp unto my feet a light unto my path. Um, You know, (laughs) it talks about this lamp under our feet, but it doesn't say that, it just says it's a lamp. Mm -hmm. It doesn't do the walking for us. Mm -hmm. It doesn't do the running for us um, or even force us to go that way. It's just a lit path is all it is. We have the opportunity to go whichever direction we want to go, which kind of goes to your point which is you get away from that light and now you can't see. Um, and and that's, that's a problem.
2: Yeah, and I think it's, I think it's interesting. I, I, you know, Jesus said, I am seven times. Mm-hmm. But if you look at I am, it's, he is saying he is all the things we need. He said, I'm the bread of life. I'm the light of the world. I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I am the vine. These are all, if you really break them down and look at them, they're all waypoints. This is all talking about Mm -hmm. who we should follow. And we say, you know, we say we need to follow this, we need to follow that. And Jesus, I mean, you can do a whole sermon on the statement, I am. Mm -hmm. And that's all we need to follow. And I don't know. It's just it's 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 interesting when we talk about light. You know, Jesus is light. Jesus is love. He's the light of the world. But we we (laughs) he makes it so simple for us, but we complicate it too many times.
1: Yeah. Well, another thing that's interesting to me about the the word and the illumination that we get from Jesus is that it also exposes things that are wrong Mm -hmm. um, and things that are not right. And it's why this world is so crazy. And as Christians, I think we look at that because we have the light. We see the wrong. But we have to understand that those people who are participating in that wrong don't have the light. They're operating in the dark because yeah. they don't have the light. And we expect them to see like we see, but they can't see like we see. Not not That's not an excuse, but it's it's a way that we have to approach and understand those folks, I think, that, that we have to understand that we can't expect them to behave like we we behave now we still need to keep our standards and behave mm-hmm. like we we should behave, but we can't expect them to behave that way, and that's why we need to show them where the light is
2: I was in a in a meeting just a few days ago, and I was telling Holly about this meeting the other night it was um it it was kind of on my construction life side, and uh the meeting I was in was with a person who just <laughs> I told Holly when I left the meeting, I felt like I needed to go to church. I mean, it's just a person whose foul language is just, it's just a way they talk. Mm. And, I mean, really, it was just—I guess I've been so removed from it for so long now that I've, but i but I, I had to meet with this person. And uh, I asked Holly when I got home, I said, you know, how can I, how can I make an impact on this person? You know, because you don't want to just go up and say, you need to quit cussing, because that's not going to do Mm -hmm. anything. And she said, just be who you are. Yeah. And she's so right. But so many times we're overthink it. We're like, you know, we've got to do something. Well, no, we just need to be who we are. And that's God living
1: through us. Well, I can't help but, but hear the story. And I don't remember the details of the story, but it was about Lane. Yeah. Where he was around folks. That were using foul language. He was at a
2: training camp.
1: Yeah. And and, and how people were like, well, Lane doesn't do that.
2: Well, no, they asked him. They said, Lane, why don't you cuss? And he was just like, I, I just don't do that. But the it, it made me so proud that they recognized it. It kind of made Lane feel uncomfortable. Yeah. And I get it. Yeah. yeah. But I told Lane, I said, that is something to be incredibly proud of mm-hmm. that— just like I noticed this person I met with a couple of, week, a couple of days ago, I, I noticed the over-the-top over foul language, they also notice a lack of yeah. foul language. Yeah. And that's, that's God living through us, and that's why, that's why our testimony is so important, and we've got to protect our testimony. I tell my kids all the time, protect your testimony. Yeah. It's the only one you got. That's right. And it's very hard to build that, very hard. To build trust and and respect and everything that that those other kids were saying to Lane that he didn't even realize they were saying, but it was Lane is different. Yeah. But you can you can kill that with one word. Oh yeah, one word in that situation and those those kids would have been oh he's just like one of us.
1: Yeah, that's true.
2: We're not called to be like one of the world, and that's not saying anything bad about those people. It's. It's saying something about us is yeah. what it's doing. And so yeah we just we need to be, we need to reflect God's light because that is the only waypoint that many may have. They're never they're yeah. not picking up scripture. they're not going into the church. they're not hearing it on radio and podcasts like we do because of what we listen to. So we're the only we're the only light that many people have. Yeah. We're the only
1: exposure they'll ever have to Jesus is the way we live our life. Man, so well said. Psalm 43, 3 says, Send me your light and your faithful care. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to the place where you dwell. You know, this is a, a scripture where David is asking God, in this case, uh, to to plead his case against those who are accusing him of things he didn't do of being somebody who he wasn't and we get that all the time as Christians right we are we are and it's getting increasingly so we we're, mm-hmm. we're being attacked for thinking the way that we think um we're being told that we are um we're bigoted or whatever because we think a certain way um and the, so the world is kind of accusing us of things that we don't do uh-huh. And it's it's our nature to want to lash out.
2: It is. I mean, it's so hard not. The to. The way I read into this verse, if I had to paraphrase David saying, "Come on, God, let me, let me add them, let let me let me use your word and just go after them." And that's not how we approach things. It's it's just like I went home trying to think, how can I convince this person not to talk like that? Yeah, that's not what God wants us to do. He wants us to live out who we are in him and he'll do the rest. Yeah. I mean, if all we gotta do is make the introduction and let God take it from there. But too many times we we wanna try to get into God's work. And we're not made to get into God's work. Yeah. We're made to be obedient to what he says.
1: Yeah. And his word says be a light. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think that part of what he's saying here, too, is, God, I don't want to get outside of what you want me to do. I want to do something, but I don't want to be outside of what, what you want me to do. Um, and, and I think that's where we have to live, and it's hard. You know, This I, I've told this before. I don't know if I've said this. I don't think I've said this on this podcast. But last in the last year, I responded to three Facebook posts that were political. Mm-hmm two of those people no longer have me as a friend on their facebook page. I didn't do I didn't say anything ugly. Nothing ugly. I didn't say anything that wasn't true. I didn't say it was factual, not even not even directed at anybody. It wasn't attacking anybody, nothing like that. But people think they know. They think that because you say something a certain anything that is outside of what the world thinks you should say, um you're attacking them. And as Christians, we have to be ready for that, too. Because at this point in time, my, my first thing is, is I want to go, look, look, I'm, I'm so sorry. But I'm not really sorry because I didn't say anything bad. Mm-hmm. I said true things. And they were biblically based things. And, and in that case, I have to, I have to stand firm. But what, what we're doing in society as Christians sometimes is we're backing off of that and going, I didn't. now, I didn't mean to offend anybody. I didn't want to offend anybody. But if the Bible offends somebody, we know the Bible tells us that people are going to be offended Sure. The things that we, we defend.
2: Yeah, I was I was listening to a podcast of somebody I've talked on, on here about before. And years ago, several years back, I mean, he, this guy got absolutely slayed by the media and cancel culture. I mean, everybody was just saying, write this guy off. And it was for somebody asked him a question about a particular political hot-button topic that we're not going to get into, but he quoted verbatim Scripture. He didn't add anything to it. He didn't take anything away from it, but he knew the Scripture. It was on the tip of his tongue. He he knew it, and he was ready for it, mm. and which is what God's Word calls us to be. Right. And he quoted the Scripture. And... It went all around the world on the media that this guy said this and he was canceled, just lambasted. It was weeks later before anybody realized that those weren't his words. Yeah. It was him quoting scripture. And it goes to what you say. We can't expect the other side to know. Yeah. Um. And and will we be persecuted for quoting God's word in today's world? What in any part of time, but especially in today's world, yeah. we're gonna be um, persecuted for standing on God's word. But are we supposed to do it? Absolutely.
1: Yeah. And God knows our heart. He knows if if we're doing it from the right place. I think it. it I think that's important. Um, and the fact that God knows our heart <laughs> can be good or bad. Yeah. Because he knows when it's in a, coming from a pure place, but he also knows when it's coming from a, a, another place. Exactly. And um so that's as long as we're following him as Linda would put it, he's the ribbon on the tree. Exactly. <laughs> uh, another passage, Luke 15:24, for this my son for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to be merry. Of course, this is the story of the prodigal son. Um, Sometimes when we get lost, we know where we we are. You know, the prodigal son knew where he was. Mm -hmm. He knew he was lost, (laughs) right? And so often um, we think that when people are lost, a lot of times they don't know they're lost, and sometimes people don't know they're lost, but sometimes they know they're lost too, and they're searching. And that's when being that light that you talk about, being that example, you know, that guy that you're talking about that was using that language you don't know what's going on in his mind. In the back of his mind, he may be looking for something. He may be looking for that example, and you may have provided that example that he needed to see at that time. But we well, don't know.
2: You, but we we do know that you're going to make an impact. Mm-hmm. We do know that you're. You know, people have asked me. I mean, it seems like a lot of people these days want to know: is such and such a sin? Is such a, well, There's a lot of things that aren't covered in the Bible but the Bible is clear about protecting your testimony and that can take many forms. Mm -hmm. And if, if I'm around a group of people, does, does the Bible say, don't use a cuss word. I don't think it does. I, I, I'm not theologically sound here, but I don't, I don't think it really goes into that. But if I'm around a group of people and I'm, the Bible calls us to be different. It does Mm -hmm. say that it calls us to be a lot. Well, if, through my language, I can set myself apart, and I know that they're gonna notice that, then yes, it's wrong for me to talk that way, yeah, because then I'm just becoming the same as everybody else, and we're not we're we're to be foreigners on this earth, mm-hmm. foreigners mean we're different, and we can't be different if we're talking the same way if we're partying the same way, I mean, the Bible goes into, it, it doesn't address a lot of things in our culture today, but it says we're to be different. And if, if not using foul language makes me different, then in my mind, it's wrong to use foul language yep. because I can't set myself apart when
1: I'm living like the rest of the world. And before somebody says, because this is the argument that you get often on the other side of that is, well, Paul said, I can be all things to all people. Well, you were being all things when you were in that meeting. Sure. That was being all things. Sure. The language thing is not being all things. Right. That, that's a distraction. That's a whole different, right. cap, a whole you different thing. You need to relate to
2: people. I, I, I tell my boys all the time, you need to get close enough to people to make an impact, but you don't need to be so close to where you become them. Yeah. And being all things to all people is being relatable. It's me being in the room with those people befriending those people the person I was talking to is a great friend but I keep my distance because I know that I can just as easily go that way yeah and that's not what I want so I I keep my cautious distance but at the same time I'm trying to figure out how how close can I get so that I can make an impact yeah and that's the balancing act we have every day Mm -hmm. um and you know, it's, yeah, it's we,
1: funny. One of the things that I think about with that is, you know, I coach a women's college cross country team. Right. Some of those women, when they get through and they have a great race, they want they want a big hug. You mm-hmm. know, hey, that was a great race. Or maybe when they had a bad race, even sometimes. Right. And there's others who are like, hands off, stay away, hands <laughs> off. don't hug me, don't, don't talk touch to me. me. Yeah, and and. and no that's where being all things to all people I think is mm-hmm. I need to recognize the difference. Again, getting close enough to understand who they are and what they like and, and how to relate to somebody, but not so much that I force my ways on the, in other words, I I'm I'm a hugger. When when somebody does something well, I just you know, I I just think that's great. Sure. I, but um but I have to understand that some people don't think like I do. And uh we again, yeah, it's a, it's a good point. Question one, have you ever wandered down the wrong path and wondered how you got there? How were you able to retrace your steps and find your way back? Have I ever wandered down the wrong path? (laughs) Yes. Uh, Way too
2: often. Many times. Um, You know, and this this is where it's so important that you have that relationship, that close relationship with God because you know even the even the strongest Christians and I hate to use words like that strong Christian but even those who have a close walk with Christ they're going to they're going to continue every day to walk down the wrong path it's sin mm-hmm. this this path she's talking about is sin we're all going to sin but if our if our walk is close if we're talking every day then we we know almost immediately when we start walking down that path and we don't wander down too far yeah um it's when we start letting that separation daily and then it goes to weeks and months and you start creating that separation then you can wander way down a wrong trail and into some serious decisions that were the wrong trail and you're never too far to come back to God, but many times it can cost you big time in this life here on earth yeah. um it you know we're we're never too far away from God to come back. That's I mean right. we turn around and he's there, but we may have consequences to deal with, yeah, um, and that's just reality and if you're if your walk is close to Christ every day. Yes, you're going to walk down that wrong path, but it may be three steps and God's going to hit you in the back of the head because you're close enough that you feel that hit. Yeah. But many times people get further and further and further away. It's, well, I'm just not going to go to church this week. Well, I'm just going to whatever. Well, I'm just going to do, I, I just don't have time this week to read God's Word and I, I just haven't prayed in a month. And before you know it, you you don't even know it when yeah. when God's trying to get your attention and you wind up you know, it, my my sons know, knew my voice when they were little. They knew my voice. And so if they start walking towards the car and I say, don't go out there, they knew my tone, they knew my voice, and they immediately turned around. Mm-hmm. But if a stranger that they didn't know said, don't go out there, well, they number one, they don't know the tone. They don't know that person. And what
1: happens? They walk out in the
2: middle of a road in front of traffic. Yeah. And that can be damaging Yeah. when we get that far.
1: I think about how, when we do get away from him, how good it feels to get back there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And we forget that feeling, I think, sometimes. I remember back when I was in high school, we were at the University of Florida, and we were at a track meet, and I got through doing whatever event I was doing, and I went out for a three-mile cool-down run, and I got lost like she's talking about here because I thought I could loop around I wanted to Turned see as much of the campus and stuff as I could and I wound up running 10 miles that day <laughs> because I got lost and I remember getting and finally finding the stadium again and getting back to that point and I know you're thinking how in the I world you did you get stadium. lost yeah a, yeah how did you do that well
2: in a pancake flat city
1: yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. I still don't know to this day but I just remember doing that and um Anyway, it, it I remember how good it felt. It was like, oh, gosh, finally. I finally mm-hmm. found it. And, uh, yeah, so. But we forget that good feeling. We forget that it's being close to God has that comfort and that good feeling that we. How do we miss that? Mm-hmm. We do it. We all do it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying we don't. It's gosh, how do we miss that, though?
2: But so many times we get too far away, not too far away. We get far away and think we're too far to come back. There's shame and yeah. guilt and everything that the devil's gonna throw at you of you've messed up. But we have to know. You turn around. Mm-hmm. You know, Linda said, you know, retrace our steps back to God, but that's usually one step. Yeah. Because God's following us down that path. Yep. He's 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 there. And it's not that we have to turn back and do three miles back to God. That's not the case. He's yeah. going to lead us back out That's right. into where we need to be.
1: Question two, how has God's word provided light on unto your path? <laughs> you know, I, I think about this. Whenever there's a controversial subject, and there's controversial subjects all the time. Every mm-hmm. day there's a new one. Um, I, I go to the Bible now and I look at it, And sometimes I'll try to take a controversial subject and I'll try to take the other person's viewpoint and Mm -hmm. think, okay, if I'm looking at it from their viewpoint, let me read the Bible from their viewpoint and see what they see to try to get a better understanding of why they feel the way they do or whatever it is. Um, Because I I think it's important to try to understand why people might be going astray. Or in my case, you know, I don't want to bring up any particular subjects, but you you can. There are people out there who think there are certain things that are okay, and then there are Christians who think that thing is not okay. Black and white, it is. It is fine. It is not okay. And I think going into the Word and find, and really digging into it with the attitude of, well, maybe I'm wrong, I think is important. I think we should all do that with everything. Maybe I'm wrong. And let me try to let me try to let me try to be wrong. Let me try to admit I'm wrong, and then find it. And then you you'll always come back to the truth mm-hmm. eventually. And and always do. Um, I think it was Reagan who said, "Trust but verify." Mm-hmm. Right. So trust in what you hear, trust in what your preacher tells you, but go into the Bible and verify that for yourself too. I'm not saying your preacher's gonna lie to you. That's not what I'm saying at all. Uh, but there are some preachers out there who will lead us in a bad direction. Mhm. Um and so I want I want to check it out and make sure I'm grounded.
2: Yeah, and it's it's funny that you talk about seeing the other side. You know, I I think that's one thing we've lost in our society is is relating. Not mm-hmm. not relate, I don't know if relating's the right word. Seeing the other side because
1: you know, empathizing with the other side at least.
2: It, yeah, I mean like like I I watch
1: a particular
2: news channel. But almost every night I flip over to the other news channels because I want to know what's being said. I want to understand. I, I feel like when I'm standing on the truth that I glean from the Bible, from Scripture, then I know I'm right. But that doesn't, t- it seems like so often today we're saying, I'm right and you're wrong and you need to follow me. And, 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 there was cases where Jesus told people, "Tell Peter, drop what you're doing and follow me." But then there was other people. Is it Matthew, tax collector? What did he go do? He he went and had a meal with him. He mm. sat down. With the 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 religious people were just scolding Jesus. Look, he's he's going in and and rubbing shoulders with the tax collectors. Well, he knew that maybe maybe a commandment. In that case, wasn't the right way to do it? Mm-hmm. It was go in and be all things to all people. Go yeah. in and relate to them so that when you say "follow me," you've built that rapport, you have that relationship, you've got that trust. He didn't go in there to be. Um, he 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 went in there knowing he wasn't going to change. Yeah, but he wanted to change the other side, and sometimes you can't change the other side until. What, what's the old saying? Nobody knows no, nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. That's right. And to me, we're not doing that nowadays, it seems. No, we're not. Uh, we're, we're standing on both sides of a chasm and we're screaming at each other and we're not
1: relating to people. That's and true. that's true.
2: Oh, how we got on this soapbox? Bro. <laughs> Question
1: number three: like the prodigal son, how have you experienced God's mercy and grace while retracing your steps back to him? I, again, I go back to that feeling. Mm-hmm. He, he's always glad when you're back, and there's never—it's never a condemnation feeling. It's always a it, 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 it's always a good feeling when redemption. You know yeah, yeah. It's redemption. It's exactly right. Um, you can feel the relief, um, and and I imagine that prodigal son uh, was very surprised by the reception that his father gave him when he came back home. Sure. Right. I mean, that's. I think about that, uh, and that's kind of the way I feel when when God lets me know that it's okay that I messed up,
2: yeah, I mean I can sit here and i can I can almost feel the emotions of times that i've been in these situations and and you turn back to god and, and it's just like I can't even describe all the feelings that you have when you when you reconcile with him when you've done something boneheaded and you know you've messed up and The thing that the prodigal son probably wanted to do, the last thing he wanted to do was go back and face his father. Mm -hmm. And it's no different than today. That's right. The last thing I want to do is face God or go talk to God or go get on my hands and knees when I've done something stupid. And everything in society and the evil one and everything tries, tries to make that our tipping point. Oh, I've got him over to my side now. And that's why turning back, forgiving others, all the things that Jesus talks about with redemption is so important because that moment makes you stronger for the next moment because we're going to have other moments. But there again, hopefully that next moment is not going to be as far down that road. And it's going to be... A little bit shorter walk back, yeah. and then, and as long as we stay right there, on a short leash—I hate to use the word leash—but on a short, short distance from God, the closer we stay to Him, uh, the more likely, the less likely we're going to walk down
1: some lone, dark road. Yeah, it's just checking those lights frequently. Yeah, you check the lights frequently,
0: you stay close to them. Right. You get up early before the kids for your morning workout. Spend some time studying or reading your devotion. And pick up the kids each afternoon. Whatever the moment, J Radio has you covered. Get your account at jradio.com and download the app in your app store. J Radio, music for every moment.
1: All right, it is time for Dean's Thoughts, and that is a time when I share something that I've written about the intersection between running and faith. What would you think about someone accusing you of not running after you just finished a marathon?
2: I would be mad.
1: (laughs) Well, this story is called The Marathon That Kind of Wasn't. Warming up for a marathon is different from every other race I have ever run. My warm-up for any other race is usually fairly intense and leads to an elevated heart rate or a revved-up engine, if you will, prior to getting off the starting line. But not in the marathon. It's a little more laid-back. I just try to get loose and use the first few miles as the warm-up, more or less. Several years ago, I was getting ready for a marathon in Warner Robins, Georgia. It was bitterly cold, and I was walking around with my wife, Debbie, before the start of the race no doubt talking about what the next few hours would hold for me. As we were walking, about 50 meters from the starting line, I noticed that it looked like they were lining up to get started. A quick glance at my watch confirmed that it was race time. I still had my sweats on since it was 18 degrees outside, and I quickly dropped to the ground, took off my sweat bottoms, and threw them at Debbie. A few seconds later, I added my top, One more piece, a long-sleeved t-shirt, would complete the stack of clothes in her arms. I sprinted towards the start, hopped across the line, and immediately the gun went off. The last thing you want at the beginning of a marathon is a huge release of adrenaline, but that's exactly what I received in that 30-second span of tumult that occurred just before the gun sounded. I had to be very careful not to run that first mile too fast. As it turned out, I held it together well and hit the first mile right where I wanted it to be, I ran a good race and then finished in two hours and 52 minutes. You'll understand why the time was important in a minute. I believe I finished third overall. Fast forward to the awards ceremony. I didn't believe anyone ahead of me was over 40, so I assumed that I had won the overall Masters Award for being the first guy over 40 to finish. As they called out the winner of the Masters Award, they called out someone else's name. I quickly scanned the two guys that were ahead of me to figure out which one of them was older than I I thought, But then the presenter called out his time. It was three hours and seven minutes. (laughs) Hold up a second. I was pretty sure I was over 40, and I had run faster than that. What was going on? Maybe their timing system was faulty, or at least the chip on my bib. I quietly made my way to the stage and mentioned that I felt like the result was incorrect. They consulted the, the official results, and I was... I was not listed as a finisher. Now, I was pretty sure, based on the very tender way I was walking down the stairs, (laughs) that I had actually run the race. She told me to hang on, and we would get to the bottom of it once they completed the ceremony. In the meantime, I went to my car to get my watch to show that I had, in fact, run the race in the time that I had stated. Have you ever been there? Have you ever done something? Maybe something pretty cool, and no one noticed? Have you ever wondered if it was worth the effort in the first place? Maybe you did something nice for someone, or maybe you were the one who did a lot of work to make something happen, and then it seemed that someone else uh, got the credit for it. Have you ever run a really good race, and then no one seems to understand the accomplishment because no one even comments on it? We've all been there, I'd say. I showed the presenter my watch. She looked at the results again and told me that they would send me an award in the mail. They did, and it was a very large, very nice-looking, red, white, and blue accented trophy. It's actually one of my favorites. You know what didn't matter? Whether or not I received that award. Why? Because I had the memory of a really nice day, I got a chance to hang out with my wife for a couple of hours after the race walking through the Museum of Aviation on the Air Force Base uh, on which we were running. The race was satisfying, if not bitterly cold. I had a story to tell about the day I ran a marathon. Well, kind of. It wasn't until after I got home that I realized what had happened. The reason the results didn't include me was all my fault. You see, I never crossed the timing mat at the starting line. Since I had rushed to the start and just hopped over the line as the race began, I never walked across the mat that would register all starters in the system. There are a number of lessons to be learned here, but I think this one is so important. If we're doing things so that others will notice, our motivation is all wrong. I look at social media and I watch young ladies especially who are clearly looking for as many likes as they can get. It's innocent most of the time. They're they're just sharing with their friends. I see a lot of people who are comparing themselves to others. She got 350 likes on her post, but I only got 125. I must be doing something wrong. That's the wrong motivation. Comparison is always bad. The truth is that we should only be looking for the approval of one. What does God think? I'm using a harmless illustration, running a marathon, but sometimes the stakes are much more serious. What happens when something is posted is going to lead to regret later? God is never the target of our affection when we go that route. He tells us that it's what's in our heart that matters. I knew I had run that marathon. Whether they decided to reward me for it for that didn't matter. No one knew except for me anyway. My motivation needed to be run as well as I could that day. And I did. And here's the part that we often miss the reason there was even a chance that I would not be recognized had everything to do with my actions. I wasn't prepared when I should have been. I didn't do all the things I was supposed to do before the race started. When we're not rewarded for the things we do, it is often our own fault. Not always, for sure, but often. But when we look for our reward in the important things, the things that last, we will always be satisfied if our motivation is pure I got to hang out with my best friend that day, and I ran a pretty good race. That was enough for me. The trophy was icing on the cake. But what are we doing to make God happy? It doesn't matter if anyone else notices. God sees all we do. In fact, Jesus condemned the Pharisees as they stood in public and spoke long, fancy prayers. As the world would see it, that was impressive. But God wants us to say our prayers to Him, not so that others can hear. He tells us to pray alone because he will hear those prayers, and they are obviously not meant to impress others. If he is happy with what we're doing, then why does it matter what anyone else thinks? That's a good story,
2: Dean. Another home run there.
1: It goes back to that whole idea of what we were just talking about, right? This this idea that um, what other people think just doesn't doesn't matter. We need to be speaking up for what's right and true, mm-hmm. and that's all that matters. I remember when the Atlanta Track Club used to have road races that were free.
0: Mm-hmm. They would
1: just put on a race. They would time it and everything, um, and it would be free. And it was just for the joy of running. And I really I really miss those days when we had those things. Today, everybody's there for the bling. And I'm not, hey, listen, if you're out there and you love the bling, I'm not, I'm not denigrating you at all. Um, but enjoying the race for the race yeah, it's it's so important.
2: Yeah, it kind of reminds me. I I went to a um, it was a Christmas production the other night at a, a at a church down the road, and it was very good. And I was I was getting amused at there was some older ladies sitting in front of us, and this was this was kind of a musical for senior citizens, really. Um, but I'm kind of an old soul anyway, so I, I went. It was very good. Anybody could have went, but um. I got tickled. There was some older ladies, probably in their 70s, maybe, sitting down in front of me. And I was laughing because they had their phones up. I don't know if their grandkids are in this production or what, but they were watching the play through their phone screen because they wanted to record it. And you see this all the time. And I've been guilty. You know, something spectacular happens and we'll miss it so many times because we're going for our phone so we can record it. Yeah. And we see everything through the lens of a phone. Why? Because we want to show people. Yeah. We want to impress other people. And I'm not saying that's bad, but to what you said, mm-hmm. enjoy the moment. Yeah. Leave your phone in your pocket. And, well, I mean, this this is probably, like I said, one of her grandkids up on stage she could have done what she, she did. She could have she could have watched the recording of it at home. I mean, yeah. I'm pretty sure it was live on Facebook. She could have done that there, but w- we get caught up in the in the social media yeah. hype. And like I said, I do it too, you know. I but how many things have I missed because I was reaching for my phone? A lot. Yeah. I can think of several. Just last week when we were on vacation that I thought, "Man, I missed that." And it's cuz I was trying to get my stinking phone out of my pocket. Yeah and uh yeah uh, just me, for sure s- live in the moment and, and enjoy and, and and keep the story we don't got to have the picture yeah you know it's it's so funny how you see celebrities or something uh we've we've seen celebrities in casual settings before and people walk up they don't they don't want to shake their hand and they don't want to talk to them yeah they want to get the camera and get their picture made. That's with them. Right. That's the only thing they want to do. And is that wrong? I no. But I think it 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 shows a flaw yeah. in in our psyche that we're we're wanting the snapshot. You know, social media is snapshots. Yeah. Of our life and enjoy the enjoy the moment. Make yeah. a make a story, not a picture.
1: Yeah. You know, the bottom line is why why do we do things? Why do we do what we do? And now I want to I want to go on record is to say that. You know, making sure that, that, in our case, our wives are satisfied is important. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say that, that, that we do whatever, you know, but I'm pretty sure that if we're in God's will, um, then we're, we're satisfying our wives as well because he wouldn't have it any other way. So How do we, uh,
2: how do, I mean, Holly and I talk about this all the time. How do you get closer to your wife? You get, get closer, closer to God.
1: God. That's absolutely true. Yeah. 100%.
2: If you've ever participated in any sport, you've probably met a great coach. Great coaches inspire us to do more than we ever thought possible. You can be the leader that helps others achieve things they never thought possible. You, yes, you have the ability and the opportunity to be that person. All you need is a heart to help people and the ability to follow a plan. The Run for God 5K Challenge will come ready to help you inspire those around you. The step-by-step guide will direct you how to plan, pray, and train people both physically and spiritually. You can help them become more fit in their health and in their walk with Christ. Share your passion. Go to runforgod.com to find out how to inspire others to accomplish big things.
1: All right, so it is time for trivia, right? We have these trivia questions every week, and you just, at the beginning of this podcast, you heard us talking about Rosie Ruiz. That was so interesting. Um, This one goes in a different direction, but it's obviously running related. There was a guy from Finland who participated in three Olympic Games almost 100 years ago. What was his name, and what was his nickname, and how many Olympic medals did he win? So was this less common back then? Because three Olympics nowadays is not uncommon. And what's interesting? I I, I don't want to. You're gonna spoil it, it if no, you explain. No, it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't uncommon. It wasn't. So yeah. it was still common back then. Yeah, it was. It was. But he, so yeah.
2: there could be more than one answer to this question.
1: Um, poss- Yeah. I, what I know. You're looking was, for the
2: good answer, though. Yeah.
1: And what? What? Now this guy's from Finland, so chances are oh, there yeah, aren't. That's yeah. True. yeah. So that's he true. has to be from Finland. So uh, you should find this. This guy was an uh, amazing runner that you never hear his name these days. And if I said his name right now, you probably go, I never heard him. Um, Probably. But he he may be seriously, honestly, the best runner that's ever lived. He's that good. So check that out. Research that a little bit. And uh, again, you have to give us an answer at dean at runforgod.com. Um, not, not customer
2: service. Not customer service. Not Facebook Messenger. That's right. It's got to be Dean at RunForGrad.com. and you have to be a member of Run Club. That's right. Or it doesn't count. Right. It never happened. You really didn't answer that question. Like Dean never really didn't run that race. That's in right. Robbins. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, and what do they get? We're gonna. Do a run club box.
2: Uh, they're doing. We're doing a run club box. So you need to send your t-shirt size, uh, male fit or female fit, and your t-shirt size along with the answer to the question. And Miss Gay will get that box right out to you. It's got a coffee mug, it's got a run club t-shirt, and it's got a copy of Devotions in it. That's
1: awesome. Talking about awesome. Here's why running is so awesome. Running partners. <laughs> You know, I know a lot of people who are connected because mm-hmm. of running. That's the only reason they're connected. I've got friends that are they're just my running friends. Mm-hmm. They would, I would never have met them. Your weekend no, friends. My weekend friends. Yep, yep. And I, you know what I've noticed? We talked about this just yesterday, how, how many husband and wife groups that we've, we've gotten into this marathon challenge. Wow, it's uh, a lot. What a great thing to have your, your spouse as your running partner.
2: Yeah, yeah. We, I mean, gosh, we can sit and name a bunch of names weekend and team hollis is going to be added to that this yeah. this January so yeah. yeah we're going to be up there with the morays and the hawkins and i mean yeah we had a few more this past weekend joe and i saw that they said my my wife and i did this and i think that was one of the ones that they said we accidentally hit the register button <laughs> that was pretty funny <laughs> that's great like stuff like I fell and hit it oh, I better
1: do it <laughs> whoops uh- <laughs> Yeah, that's funny. Uh yeah, and I'm hoping I'm hoping that Debbie at least starts with us. Yeah. Um I'm not sure how far she can get with the medical conditions that she's got, but she's going to I think she may start. with But rest us. assured she'll be our biggest cheerleader. She absolutely will be. 100% mm-hmm. sure of that. Um Yeah, and sometimes that running partner is a group. It's several yeah. people. Um and that's good too. I see a lot of uh you know women are really good at that. At yeah. forming these groups that go out to run once a week or something like that, and, um, uh, and and I say that I'm not saying men don't do that; they're just they're not as good at it. Well,
2: I think guys they have running buddies, but a lot of times guys and running buddies will get you injured. Yeah,
1: <laughs> you, you know something about that?
2: Yeah, I do. Yeah. I, well, I had <laughs> the guy that I trained uh, with for the marathon. I mean, the Ironman that time. We had to stop doing our long rides together because, you know, you go out and do a long ride. You're supposed to start. You talked about spiking your heart rate at the beginning of a marathon. Well, you go out for a 100-mile ride. You better start easy. Well, it's just, it's in God's nature. Even if we, I mean, we would say we're going to, we're not going to go over 19 miles an hour. And we would come back and we average 21. And we're both dead and our tongue's hanging out. and We got a four-hour run the next day (laughs) and we can't even do it. Because it's that competition. Then I start, I finish that Ironman, I start running with you. And why I ever thought running with Dean Thompson was a good idea, I have no idea. But I had taken a few weeks off, and I'm just going to do some easy runs with Dean. Well, Dean's easy run is, is my tongue hanging out, fast all out as I can do. And... I'll never forget we were running one day, and I said, man, it feels like somebody kicked me in the shin. We've been teaching running for God for years and talking about injuries for years. Don't do too much. And I just thought, well, my shin's just bother me. Well, come to find out it's a stress fracture and just ignoring it because I had to keep up with Dean. Yeah. And so.
1: Yeah. I've been accused of a lot, just so you know. I mean, you got me injured. yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's. My fault. I don't care what you say. My fault. My fault. I <laughs> repented for it. <laughs> Our motivational thought of the week. Uh, in honor of those who are taking the plunge into couch, the uh, couch to marathon program, I thought that this was appropriate. Um, Richard Branson said this. Um, most people know who Richard Branson is entrepreneur, rich guy, mm-hmm. does crazy big stuff. And he said if your dreams don't scare you, they're too small. Well said. I love that sentiment. Um, you know, Richard Branson's not going to be um, mistaken for a preacher, right. but it certainly um, that is a great sentiment to think. It goes with. along
2: with things we say. You know, yep. find your comfort zone
1: and leave it. And get out of it. Yeah, yeah, sure. absolutely. Um, we've talked about that often. Do something big, and this marathon may be the big thing that you need. If you haven't signed up for the Couch to Marathon program yet, maybe today. After hearing this, after hearing Richard Branson's quote, may be the time to join the Couch to Marathon program.
2: And for all of those out, for all of you out there who need this, I dare you. Because <laughs> I, I know I'm one of those people. Yep. Don't dare me, because I'll do it. Well, I'm daring you because the reason I'm doing it, the reason we talk about it so much, is because we know the benefits. We we know that yes. It's hard, but how many times have we said anything worth doing is hard? We, we just said it. If it doesn't scare you, I've not run as many marathons as you, but I know the feeling that cannot be replicated in anything you do from crossing that finish line yeah. of a marathon. It's unlike anything. You go from agony at mile 25 to sheer, you don't feel anything when you cross that finish line. Now, 10 minutes later, <laughs> you're walking backwards down the stairs so your quads <laughs> don't seize up on you. But it's, it, it's who was it saying hurts so good back in the 80s? Yeah, John Cougar Milling. John Cougar Milling. That's it. It's It's pain. It hurts, but it feels so good because that pain, that's the pain that's telling you, you did something. You're awesome what you just did. And all along that
1: way, you'll be pointing people to Jesus Christ. It's a win-win. It's a win-win. Hey, we're so glad that you joined us today. If you haven't joined Run Club yet, then you need to join Run Club. So go do that at uh, runforgodrunclub.com. Connect with other people who have similar interests to yours. If you just happened up on this podcast, that means you're interested in running in God. That's it's obvious Mm -hmm. and so you need to connect with other people who have those same interests and run club is the place to do that we have all sorts of things out there not just the couch to marathon program we have a lot of other things out there for you to take part in this facebook group is is fantastic there are a lot of reasons to join run club other than the couch to marathon program so uh we want you in the couch to marathon program too uh, but if you choose not to do that there are lots of reasons to join run club so do that Make sure that you're sharing this podcast. Uh, tell other people about it. When you got running friends, let them know about the Run for God mm-hmm. Run Club podcast. Share it. Make sure you go on there and, and do the ratings things and all that stuff. And, and make sure you comment on, on these things because it makes a difference. And it helps us to spread the word just a little bit further. Mm-hmm. And you want to be a part of that. So we hope you've enjoyed. Give us any feedback that you think we need to have. Um, And that's on YouTube. It's on podcasts. It's on everything. Um, Make sure that you've subscribed on the the YouTube channel as well so you know when they come out. Now, may God bless every step of every run. Go out there and shine your light. Good job, Dean.
0: For more information about the Run for God ministry, go to runforgod.com. If you have questions about your salvation, click on the Peace with God tab. There's nothing more important. Thanks for joining us today.